Elliot, thank you for coming on the Bin Mucker podcast today. Pleasure to be here, man. Let me just... There we go. All set up with the uh, technology. So, first topic off the bat. What do you think about kind of the future as a... In terms of everything becoming tokenized, do you think that's going to be the case? Or do you think we'll trend more towards a, towards a world that is... Uh, kind of in this fiat system and when the debt collapse happened will man if the if the decision maker if the real decision makers let us i think it would uh i mean it benefits the consumer so evidently and like for a lot of industries it benefits the uh you know shopkeepers or drivers or uh you know game producers song producers etc so yeah i think a lot of industries are definitely built to uh you know uh, democratize, you know, distribution and consumption through uh, tokenization. Completely agree, and I love how you say if the decision maker will let us. And let me ask: Do you think in twenty twenty four there's any chance that both presidential candidates in the U S. support Bitcoin? I feel like the opportunity cost to not support Bitcoin, and I mean, you know, Web three encompasses a whole lot more, like all these other cryptocurrencies, but Bitcoin in specifically. Do you think the president coming up in the election will be a pro Bitcoin? Oh man, I mean, we'll have to see. I haven't actually, you know, put too much thought into that one. What's going to actually happen surrounding that in the next election? I mean, we have three years to go until then, or two more, I guess now. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think I, I I don't know what Joey B's stance on it is. I feel like he's not. Re- I, I you know I I don't know if either side will support it. If I'm being honest, and I think there's a solid chance of that being the case. But, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, one thought that's always been in the back of my mind is that there should be and there could be a third party candidate. Maybe the could is a bit of a you know stretch, but uh, there definitely has been a lot of uh, popularity surrounding these outsider kind of, kind of politicians. I think we'll see yeah. more of those kind of politicians, you know, running that um, kind of, you know, strong like crypto friendly kind of stance or position like during their campaigns to uh yeah try to garner some votes that way i could i could definitely see some people making noise that way agreed i, I don't agree with everything andrew Yang, uh does but I, I love his idea for the forward party and like having a ranked tiered voting system yeah. so you know i feel like so many people won't ver- vote for a third party candidate because they're afraid their vote won't be counted if they do right so having a system where it's like all right third party candidate who i truly want my party the party I don't want. Um, not that I, I feel like we should have so many more than, uh, parties than just two, but I feel like that would be a much better system, at least that way, yeah. much more fair, honest. The, the more likely scenario is that like these kind of guys, much like Bernie Sanders, get pulled into one of the two and just run as a you know Democrat, Democrat or Republican, and ultimately you know their roots may lay in some kind of independent or you know third party stance or um, affiliation, but. I think they're uh, starting to garner some more popularity. I mean, you could even throw Donald Trump in that category. Yeah, I mean, shit, what's to say we don't get a Biden-Trump uh, rematch? Dude, it's like, I, I hope mean, not, but... It would be wild if that happened, but I, <coughs> that feels like a real like Beaker and Yoga stretch and quote uh, Kobe. All right. Dude, I, 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 it does, but I mean, at the same time, like... Some of the stuff going on, I thought we were so far away from it. And it it's been a crazy, <sighs> yeah. crazy uh, time recently. Yeah. No, agreed, man. Yeah, it's it's been absolutely insane to see the mainstream adoption of crypto. Yeah, 
That has been exciting. I feel like, too, uh, it's hard to grasp how early we are. I always like to use the example of if you were, and no one bought Bitcoin the day it came out, you know, and, but if, like, say, theoretically, you bought one Bitcoin the day it came out and you just held and you couldn't sell to you, it was, it had been 18 years and you were going to give it to your kid or whatever, you'd still have, like, what, five something, a little over five years left to, to you could give that Bitcoin. I mean, who knows where it would be then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a large part of the reason why I'm a crypto investor now. I mean, for, you know, I, I have some, you know, positions in the bigger coins, but I think the smaller ones also make some noise and uh, gain the respect that, uh, or some close, you know, level of respect that Bitcoin and Ethereum have today. Yeah, well, I mean, like we were talking about with the tokenized world, I feel like you're so right to say that it'll help the consumer so much more and it'll just be a more fair, honest system, like showing in real time what the price of goods are. And I mean, I feel like with inflation now, if you look at a chart, like, you know, you see people like Kathy Woods and other brilliant people saying, oh, deflation is going to happen because of technology and stuff. And like maybe to a degree, but if you look at like healthcare, used cars, like real estate, like all those assets are up and to the right. And technology, yeah, it's trending down, like software trends sync, but like... Yeah. We need a much more fair, open, honest market. We need currency that you can't just print more of. If you give any human the ability to print money and then you really don't hold them liable if shit hits the fan, like... Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of the reason that, like, the uh, the whole decentralization, like, or, you know, Web3 is going to take a little bit of a while to develop fully is because I just don't think the population is really quite ready for it yet. Like, it's going to remove a lot of jobs to think if it was, like, implemented, like, you know, the next couple of years or something like that. It would, it would phase out a lot of, like, you know, people working for those middlemen, those, like, you know, transaction processors and uh, you know, third-party, you know, exchanges. Or You're right. I, I think the vast majority of people, probably like 80%, would somewhere be in somewhere in the category of, like, they go to Google, they just expect it to work. They enter something and it's like, it's going to, I need a result. They don't, yeah. they don't think what's happening, how am I being tracked? Like, I feel like, you know, AI, or if it, 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 it's like all of our feeds, unless you use ad blockers and trackers, are also personalized and targeted and filtered directly to us. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, the, uh, the direction from like, uh, just going from having these, you know, kind of ancient structures in our current economy from, you know, banking and, you know, financial institutions. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, man. I, I, I don't know how it really gets done because there's not only the question of, like, the population being ready and uh, the realization of it all, but, um, you know, will they even allow it? It's like another question that's running in parallel. Yeah, yeah, I I hope they don't. I mean, I guess some countries are have already released it, but I, I really hope they don't try and uh, push a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, like literally yeah, Bitcoin's yeah. evil brother. Uh, like, you know, people say it's like a stretch, but like you you could see a world if if the, if the USA, for example, released a central bank digital currency, where it's like, all right, you now have to deal with a life insurance provider, and if they decide you're at risk or something, you you have heart disease. You can't buy candy, you can't buy cigarettes, you can't buy stuff that might, um, yeah, just like the, uh, it's crazy to think like, like you're saying with the old time laws, like from uh, various securities laws are, are from the thirties, forties, like just very, uh, not at all like modern times, not at all for a tokenized world. And, uh, 
same with humans too. I mean, we're not that, you know, a couple hundred year, more than like two yeah. thousands of years, but it really wasn't that long ago. We were hunting, gathering, um, it, it, now in society, you have to think very long term. but as animals we're programmed to think of the short term, what's going to benefit me now, but now we've had food. Um, I, I was telling you earlier, I, I like the show succession because it's like that hierarchy of needs and these people have had everything, food, shelter, you know, so it's like a whole nother set of problems. Um, you see, you know, like the wealthy have versus someone who, who is thinking about their next meal, like, yeah. yeah. And some of those, like, ancient, like, kind of institutions and structures that I was referring to are, like, how humans are, you know, conducting commerce and communicating with each other, like, all across the globe. And trying to replace that with, uh, you know, decentralized, uh, you know, business structures and marketplaces is... Um, that's a real gradual shift. So, you know, the adoption timeline is like really cloudy to me. And it's, it's totally dependent on like where we decide to go as in a like societal direction, I guess. Like if we decide to, you know, adopt this, you know, kind of method of processing our own transactions and, you know, a more direct method of uh, communication and transacting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people don't understand like, magic internet money they don't understand how easy it is with bitcoin to send value to anyone else who's using the bitcoin network and uh one thing like recently i feel like i've become a bitcoin maximalist if you will but at the same time it's it's i, I believe it'll be a multi-chain world people are going to use different um things and, and it's it's a tough thing because like the decentralization aspect so important and i, I think D- bitcoin is truly decentralized some of these other chains that are more centralized but still decentralized but are going to be so useful for other things. And like, dude, this whole NFT thing is like something that I'm still kind of trying to learn. You know, I, I it's still a little bit of a mystery. I'm, I'm starting to garner some kind of a feel for what they're meant to be used for in the future. But that's just another like burgeoning marketplace or like uh, industry, like right alongside uh, cryptocurrencies. And, yeah. You know, yeah. DeFi and Absolutely. And for any listener who doesn't know, like, fungible means something that you can interchange easily like a five dollar bill is fungible with another five dollar bill while something non-fungible is something that you couldn't just swap out like your iphone non-fungible um and i don't really understand like i know there's erc uh there's different versions of ethereum for a non-fungible token and a fungible token um don't really understand how the technology works in the back end but i I understand that obviously non-fungible tokens mean that you can't just interchange them with any other token right yeah. Yeah. And I think like my very preliminary understanding of what they're supposed to be, um, aside from, you know, digital artwork is, uh, like digital access tokens, kind of like access to games or, um, assets within games or experiences even, I think. Like, yeah. I saw Tyron Woodley was selling an NFT experience and like, there were all these things like you get a tattoo with him, you could sit ringside yeah. and fight, obviously. Uh, I don't know who bought who bought that NFT, but I saw it was going for over five ETH or something. <laughs> Damn, I, didn't even, I didn't even know about that. I didn't even know about that, but that sounds sick. Bro, I, I didn't mean, even know that. That fight was happening, the rematch, and then I, I saw the highlight. And... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened now. I don't know if I would pay five Ethereum. But... <laughs> Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. What are you going to do? Yeah, but the use cases for uh, NFTs, like tickets, I mean, it just seems like endless earn to play while you're playing video games. It's such an exciting... Oh, yeah, such a, I like, 
obviously both of us growing up love video games. Yeah. Think about like how much time we spent playing video games as a kid. And you're telling me we can monetize that now? It's great to see two college athletes can now make money off their name. Like Mm -hmm. it's about time that the world got more fair, honest, open, uh, stop these laws that just do not relate to modern times with the internet and with blockchain. Like to your point, who knows how this stuff's going to be adopted, but the best thing you can do is get the information out there, let people decide. And I think it's amazing how many people are skeptical of Bitcoin till they use it and realize Holy shit, I can send value to anyone permissionless without any government, without any third party. Like if I spin up my own node, it, like I don't have to rely yeah. on a third party to send and receive value to anyone else who's using that same network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. If I just had the, you know, spur of the moment, like as a birthday gift, I wanted to send some money to somebody who wouldn't have to have any kind of app on my phone or except the wallet, I guess. But like, you know, it's just. That's that's exactly what you're talking about. I'm, and there are people. I'm excited to see if that becomes you know the new norm. That's yeah. like what really keeps me invested in uh, crypto in the end is actually using it. Like that's what's different about it than like investing in stocks and stuff like that. Is that like this is something that you actually personally utilize? Yeah. You know. So. Dude, it's exciting. I feel like I use uh, the Coinbase debit card and USDC all the time, and it's literally like all I do is take. My from Wells Fargo to buy USDC on Coinbase. Mm-hmm. There's no fee. It's going to be like one-to-one. And then every time I spend that Coinbase debit card with USDC on it, United States dollar coin issued by Circle on the Ethereum network, I get a 4% back in Stellar Lumens, which is like oh, yeah. cash back in crypto. And then over time, I typically just tra- you know transfer it into Bitcoin, you know, as you should with all, all, all coin. Well, actually, I, I say that, with, but at the same time, I... I think there are altcoins out there that are awesome, like obligatory of not finan- not financial advice. <laughs> not financial advice, of course. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, not partially agreed though. Like you do want to have your you know your shit stapled to some you know already adopted steady coin, which is in this case really just two of them. Yeah, uh, but I mean you know same same principle kind of applies to stocks in that sense. It's like you know I've always been told. You want to have a, you know, good, good chunk of your, you know, holdings in, uh, you know, some spy or like some kind of steady ETFs. Um, so it, it, it is uh, a smart idea. I would agree. Yeah. I always like sometimes I'm tempted to think like, oh, I should just go all in on Bitcoin. But at the same time, I, I think you're so right. It's good. Like Apple's probably my biggest holding tech stock wise. And then like my 401ks and the Vanguard ETF, just cause I want something yeah. kind of safe. Like totally. Yeah. Bonds are fucking dead at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck bonds. <laughs> Sorry to say, but like, unless it's a Bitcoin bond from El Salvador, I don't want it. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it's enjoyable thing about investing. And I wish they taught it in school is like to young and like, cause it seems like at this point I hate it, but with inflation, like yeah. I don't want a universal basic income, but we got to start teaching, uh, Everyone about finances. Game like, is rigged, man. They want you to be asleep. Man, it is. The, the <laughs> fact that we have the most complicated tax code in the world here in the United States. But oh, they, well, it, I mean, just across the board, we're the most litigious country in the world by a long shot. Yeah. Shit <laughs> is different. Bro, Nancy Pelosi is on, uh, like, the person who asked her, um, do you think Congress members should be allowed to trade individual stocks? And she says, well, it's a free market. It's like, well, if it is a free market, why did you print 40% of the money supply? Yeah. I understand the Federal Reserve yeah, printed 40% usual, of the money supply. As usual, just take from her. So, yeah, no surprise there, really. But, yeah, it's, 
it's just stupid, if you ask me. It or is like something I, that you directly, you know, influence how they operate or how profits are being made in a lot of senses. Like, yeah, no, they obviously. I mean, maybe they, maybe they can, but if there's some kind of way of like checking their, uh, you know, access or yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, um, my grandfather was in town recently, and he's the mayor of a small town, and he was saying like how he had a friend who uh, like went to Congress and like. Or I think some some um high up position of power, like the guy was such a good guy, and you just get in that circle and like that, just the wealth generating opportunities those people experience there like corrupts you, and it's one of the like you got to play the game or you're gonna be thrown to the wolves, and it, it's sad and unfortunate. Like they want to beef up the IRS, but it's like why don't you just give us tell the American people what we owe, and they already like audit high, they have people tasked with you know checking the high net worth individuals uh finances if you will it's like yeah, capital gains and whatnot yeah and now they're trying to go after you know they say it's like they're going to tax the rich but in reality they're just going to be going after the lower middle class people who they're not even going to you know generate enough revenue and taxes to make up for our, the salary of all the people they want to hire yeah yeah um i mean shit has to change you know that's really that's really all it is that's why we need decentralized permissionless yep Absolutely. Magic internet money. <laughs> yeah. We do, man. We need Doge. We need, we need Shiba. Come Rocket. All of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need Bitcoin. We got Squid Game Token. Come Dude. Rocket. S-Dog. <laughs> all the rug pulls, baby. <laughs> some of the memes that come... Like, I, obviously, it's... I feel so bad for anyone to get scammed or rug pulled, but at the same time, like... Do your own research. Take the time <laughs> to learn. The game you're playing. And literally, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with, like, if you are, t- you know, it's like, if you want to add, you know, a tiny amount, like, you can go to the Vegas and gamble. It's like, you can do the same thing. Like, and sometimes if your only downside is like, well, if I throw 10 bucks and it's a 10 bagger, now I have a hundred bucks. If I lose the 10 bucks, it's like, as yeah. long as I get one to 10 of those right, you're chilling. So just like. Yeah. It's, I feel like part of it is also just like, oh, I, I you know, 110x on SHIB or something like that. Like, you want to be able to say that. Like, I hit 1,000x on one of these. Yeah. I saw a meme and it was like, where it was like, <laughs> guy talking to his buddy. He's like, yeah, I'm up like 40% of my investment portfolio this year. I knew this, like, crypto was like a great investment. I told you guys. And the buddies are like, oh, yeah, nice. How, how much do you invest? The guy's like, 200 bucks. <laughs> Dude, I've had that conversation. <laughs> so many times bro like people say like I don't know be like having in-depth conversations about crypto and like you know which ones they like which ones I like it's just like literally I have like a hundred bucks in uh, ADA or something like that and I'm just like wait what (laughs) what do you expect to happen like a hundred bucks to turn on to 115 three years (laughs) (laughs) yeah send it rolling into bitcoin later who knows yeah So I did a little research before this, and obviously, for those who don't know, we used to work together. Um, but I saw the LinkedIn, uh, you edit, you know, helped edit film uh, for football at UMass Amherst. So I'm curious, how'd you get into kind of that? And like, that's awesome that uh, you did that. What made you want to... Dude, I literally just one summer was scouring the job postings, like trying to plan ahead for once. And like, I successfully did it, you know, for once. <laughs> I never do that, but like, I... Uh, I found, I had found, uh, that job posting on like the main UMass Amherst like job board. And, uh, I 
just said like why the hell not it's like part-time and it's like interesting you know i like sports it's involved with football so i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna apply for it and you know got the job ended up just doing uh all their practices starting in august and ended in uh december got to film some cool games like oh yeah i traveled with the team down to old miss and got to experience like you know the game inside of one of those like sec stadiums like huge ass college schools football schools and like dude it was like more lit than a like pro football game like they had all their former like you know pro now pro alumni or alumnus and like um they had like Dak Prescott at the end and the stadium was just like shaking and like it was like insanely loud it was uh yeah that was that was way cool flying with them down to that game was probably the highlight damn that does sound under off was this up wait Ole Miss or Mississippi State Oh, Mississippi State. Did I say Ole Miss? Yeah, I was just going to you said Dak, and I, I was dude, like... I, those two are, like, interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> I might almost, like... Uh, I'm a loose, like, NCAA fan, but... Dude, the SEC, though, you're right. Like, I've been in some Florida games. Like, it nuts down there. I mean, it's literally NFL level, like, in too many Jags games. And, um, Bro, I think, uh, like, not SEC, but, uh, like, there's two... Like, I think Michigan and Penn State's stadiums are the biggest stadiums in North America. College games are no joke. Damn, I didn't know. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, man, pretty wild. I wish I, I sometimes wish I went to one of those schools. Like that was one of my main uh, criterion for uh, applying to schools uh, in high school. But I ended up going to just UMass Amherst, which was a big hockey school. It turned out, but yeah, they uh, won the national championship barely, recently. Yeah, they? not a hockey guy, unfortunately. Hate to say. No, I started all. I know what you mean. And it's crazy, too, though, like, the hockey stadiums at some of these NESCAC schools up here in New England. Like, it, it, just the hockey and, uh, well, I guess it's all over, but especially New England, some sick stadiums. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. Yeah, some of those, some of the, some of the schools, like, just in the SEC, ACC, like, Florida yeah. State, Florida, any state, like, some of the... They did seem like a great time, um, but at the same time, like I, I feel, I'm glad I went to a school that was like a little more mellow because it, like, yeah. I feel like it just would have been an absolute degenerate uh, <laughs> if, if I had those temptations around me. Yeah, yeah, you know, my I whole mean, college experience. As a UMass graduate, can confirm. That's cool. I, I love, you know, visiting different stadiums, like, out of state. That's, like, a, you know, whenever I'm in some different state, I want to visit their baseball stadium, I, you know, because I grew up in playing baseball. Already been to, like, a good handful, but that's my, you know, ultimate white dad dream. <laughs> yeah, I feel like one of the best things to do is to just travel and, like, have experiences oh, and uh, see new – I guess the best way to spend money. That's one thing, too, I appreciate about Bitcoin is, like, I feel like I've learned so much about money itself – history philosophy like technology some like there's so many different things and i feel like the more i learn about it the more i'm like yeah maybe i should use all my money and like i'm not obviously on a bitcoin standard because i have a lot of fiat liabilities like i can't pay my rent in bitcoin or my car payment or i feel like it's like changing the way i think about money and i would much rather invest my money in experiences and being able to hang with family and like good wine and food obviously and and stop spending on, like, consumer bullshit. And not that it's all, like, don't worry, I, I like Nike shoes and Lululemon 
running shorts and but you gotta have the Yeezys, dude. <laughs> you gotta have the newest Yeezys. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I feel like really like I'm, I'm most content when I spend my money on traveling and experiences and. Oh, hundred percent. That's like the kind of gifts I like prefer to receive, and I like try to give people that. Like I'll straight up just give like I don't know restaurant gift cards or like some kind of uh, yeah. I prefer the experiences for sure. Yeah, that's like how my parents raised me. Honestly, is like we we never really lived in like some big house or anything like that, but we traveled like a fuck ton, dude. Like every summer we were like flying somewhere. Most of the time, or like half the time, it was like Switzerland, which is like. Look, reflecting on that dude like I was insanely lucky that I got to go to Switzerland that many times and like see the tra- like travel Europe that much so absolutely like yeah need to travel dude we need to travel man like I'm trying to travel with the homies more Agreed. done so much with the family already like Put, hey yeah, I'm going to Montana to we'll, we'll talk after this podcast in uh, February you're trying to come out potentially think about skiing in Big Sky could be uh my my stepfather's got a ranch out there. It could be could be. Yeah, we can talk. We can talk. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the next question for those who don't know, Elliot and I both used to be SDRs, so sales development yes. reps, a lot of cold sadness. calling, picking up. Yeah, sadness. Sales are joke. <laughs> never ever stop selling. <laughs> and uh, so I'm curious to know now that you've moved on to a closing position, an account executive, someone who's doing mm-hmm. the full business cycle calling people, running the Zoom meeting, selling them on why they could use a product. I'm curious, how's, how's that transition been for you? And what, what do you, do you enjoy it more like doing the full cycle thing? Dude, it's been, I mean, you know, about to wrap up my first quarter. So it's just been like a blur, honestly. Like, I can't believe I'm actually even saying that, like I've wrapped up a whole quarter, like, but, uh, no, it's been a total adjustment. I mean, you know, as an SDR, you kind of have this like, uh, like run and gun kind of attitude. Like you got to just yeah. hit the volume more and like just 100%. attract interest, like the, the, you know, surface level interest. Yep. And as an AE, like you need to not only be able to do that, but like you need to, you know, maintain communication with all of those people who end up, you know, needing to take a further look at whatever, you know, it is that you're presenting. But, um, no, it's been sweet learning about different companies and like how they're, cause the thing about it is that like we're in SaaS and like selling software. So it's interesting to see how so many companies in different verticals and different, you know, doing different things using what you're selling basically. And to see that from the angle of the AE, like, you know, you see people who had no interest to begin with and like you ended up kind of just starting a conversation, maintaining that conversation and they end up buying or you know sometimes we'll have people who are like clamoring for a solution and just like hear what you're saying and are, are just like yeah we need to we need to at least you know see the full you know version of what you're talking about so no it's been it's extremely fulfilling I, i've loved the transition to ae so far um because that was like one thing i felt like i was missing to like wrap up but like as an str i was always starting the conversations never following up and like ending the conversation so yeah, it's been exciting and like, you know, very uh, fun to, you know, own that kind of uh, role. Yeah, it's interesting thing about like, obviously, as a, an SDR, you're trying to get the volume up, trying to just get as many people spark that interest. But kind of once you hand it off, like you sit in on the meeting, you take notes, but we just watched an episode of Curb and like, you know, like the person is on the phone uh, <laughs> writing out the notes. It's like 
as an SDR after that first meeting, it's like, it's kind of out of my hands. I typically, unless the person's gone silent and I might give them another ring to try and schedule another meeting. Yep. It's, uh, so it is kind of cool to think about like, and then really gauging, right? Like who's, you know, as an AE, I'm sure you don't want to just set me, you know, as an SDR, you get paid to set meetings as an AE. It's like, you don't want to waste your time if the person might actually not have some potential, but also, you, you know, you can so if you pique someone's interest and like there are people who are worth the conversation, even if they're not immediately interested engaging that like playing. A, yeah, it's no easy yeah. task. No, it's it's really not, dude. Like you're for, for, from like a cold outbound perspective, you're trying to like essentially turn a stranger into somebody who's like pulling money out of their pocket, like a lot of money out of not just their pocket, but like like other people's pockets in a sense like taking your company's money dollar and like giving it to us for you know a service like it's it's that's a huge shift in like a relationship with somebody like pretty much from complete opposites and ends of the spectrum like dude software is such an interesting thing to itself because if you think about it like salesforce sales loft outreach like all of these businesses have like a good bit of people on the payroll getting like so many softwares out there that are crucial to people's jobs it, it it's just nuts that like there's no there's a product obviously like the interface online that you use but it's nuts how much data gets tracked on various people and then just the game that is trying to like find people to use your software over another software and for the most part yeah. honestly like some softwares are better than others but they're so similar and as the buyer and as the seller kind of just playing that whole game and yeah, it's it, just like, you know, I think I know, you know, just about everything about my product and like, you know, what it's good against other products with. And then you find out that like the other product does like exactly like the thing that you said it couldn't, that yours could. And it's just like, <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to do now? It's just like, all right, I guess I'll pretend that I don't know that. <laughs> and just, that's why the acronym is sad. not a thing. Like, that's, yeah, probably the right way to go about it. Sales is a funny game, man. It's funny. You interact with a lot of different people. It is. You never know what you're gonna hear on a cold call, you know. Yeah. No, no, you don't. You like, don't at all. Shout out to Corporate Bro. Some of those uh, videos he posts of like that people send him cold calls and he does the reenactment. <laughs> too good. Way too accurate too. Like, with, like, the, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like just the like internal relationships that you have that are just like way like it's way too good with his. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, today I had a call, so I was like, oh, is this one of those spam calls? I was like, no, man, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just... Some people, like, act like you're one of those, like, telemarketers who, like, call people at dinner time, like... Just, you know, like don't like, call my fucking... Just, uncle. like, literally, like, scum of the earth, which, like, I don't know, maybe I am that, but even I think that, like, those telemarketers are, like, B to C, like, cold callers are just fucking insane people. Yeah. I well, just would not... I would rather go homeless and do that. Like, not to, like, you know, slight anything about, I guess, the homeless, but, like... Dude, that type of shit is just torturous, bro. Oh, B2B is just a different world. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's, dude door-to-door salesmen, too. Like, it, it's crazy the different kinds of selling. And yeah. Uh, yeah. that's what I tell myself is, like, an SD, it's like, I literally just cold call people. Like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, high upside, schedule meeting, get paid, low downside. Yeah. Someone tells me to F off, they hang up on me. They tell me I'm a spam caller. <laughs> on to the next person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rest assured, it's some, like, fucking idiot on the other side who you just don't have to give a shit about. <laughs> Dude, one time I got a call. More people at that company you can call, too. Like... 
I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know what I've put my number, like, seamless ad and some of these other things. And, like, I've just gotten way too many calls recently. So I had to, like, literally had to silence all numbers because I was just getting way too many random calls. But I remember, like, the best, I feel like the best lesson I ever learned in sales is I got, like, I don't know if it was a spam call or not, but, like, some woman who's trying to sell me a car warranty or something. And I just went off on the phone. Like, that's so... <laughs> and, like, right after I hung up, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I literally cold call people for a living. But in that moment, like, I was just having a shit day and, like, was just so upset. And uh, it was a lesson, like, yeah, who gives a shit what anyone says to me on the phone? Like, so much more reflection of what that person's going through in their day. And for all yeah. I know, they could also be a cold call. Like, I call other salespeople, you know what I mean? Like... Now that we know what it's like on the other side, like, of the phone. <laughs> yeah. consumer's perspective, like, yeah. Um, sometimes I'll have fun with like somebody cold calling me or doing cold outreach to me. Like if it's really bad, I'll just like, it depends on the situation, but I'll sometimes just get like honest feedback. It's like, listen, this is why I had no interest in what you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly helps them. I mean, like it, it, probably beneficial to them. Yeah. So like, people don't help with language people. or like, yeah. Sometimes I, I did have like a cold caller, like from, I don't know, like he, he was clearly foreign, like calling from some other like country, most likely. And, um, I literally had him on the phone for like 35 minutes and like it went devolved from like some, it, it was ridiculous. I forgot what the conversation went like, but it was so ridiculous. And like, I devolved to like using an art, like Donald Trump soundboard with him and just like he hung up and called us back like after we instructed him to do so for whatever reason and we just couldn't believe that he was still like in it enough to call us back that's crazy too what you can get people to do over a phone call you know humans are incredible creatures <laughs> that's what i mean like when you like wouldn't believe some of the shit that we hear on the phone is SDRs like or aes and you know the like but like some people would just talk to you for like a half hour or like just say some bizarre shit to you like yeah it's funny like doing making the, those kind of conversations at that rate like you know you try to have 300 per week yeah i mean obviously you're not gonna have 300 conversations per week unless you're like no but 300 dials and then yeah you're hoping that every dial is a conversation right so true salesman dude crazy life we live man so now back to my more favorite topic like the blockchain web3 innovating giving users back their data what would you say your favorite cryptocurrency is and uh why Mm, i feel like you know the answer to this but for the people i I don't know if it's a algorand or chain (laughs) (laughs) is it link marine or uh the carbon neutral crypto slot that in the algorand uh bucket (laughs) that that would have to be my favorite uh DeFi network for sure love algorand homegrown too right in our backyard at uh mit with sylvia mccauley shout out facts The, the, the fucking man like who else would you ever want developing your blockchain for you and you know what that's what el salvador said when they uh developed their national crypto infrastructure like with the chivo wallet and uh yeah no shit that's right dude yeah yeah i'm surprised you know the name of the wallet you know that's like built on algorand i thought it was like i knew it was like an kyc know your customer wallet um but i knew the government had like but i didn't realize like it's a bitcoin wallet right lightning network wallet mm-hmm. i didn't realize it was built on the way like, people actually like interact with each other and like facilitate transactions is like built right on Algorand's network. No shit. Yeah. Absolutely wild news that I, like, that came out, like, somewhat recently. I didn't know about that. I mean, 
I knew in some vague idea that like Algorand was going to be involved in building El Salvador's crypto infrastructure, but uh, they literally are the ones who built the app for the country. Nice. So another reason to bullish. Dude's mind bullish. I, I was watching a documentary too that was talking about how Bitcoin mining actually leads people to innovate and find green energy sources to mine Bitcoin. Because, like, you need those specific ASIC miners that literally only hash a function to try and mine Bitcoin. And uh, it, you want to find the cheapest energy as possible. So the fact, like, you can monetize volcano energy or extra methane flaring, like, yeah, in Iceland, geothermal, like, there's so many different things. And typically, the risk, the capital, the investment it would require to build out the infrastructure to monetize these various sources of energy that would just be wasted otherwise bitcoin miners can kind of almost forego nothing's foregone risk but they, they can eliminate a big majority of this risk due to the fact that once they plug in those asic miners to that uh green energy they know they're going to be generating bitcoin uh once they get it up and running by plugging yeah. into the internet and then they can build out things that can also help their grid and do so you know because they know that as they build out this green energy, they're going to be fine. They can monetize it with the ASIC miners and uh, use it for all these other purposes. So like the FUD that's spread in the mainstream media, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt spread by the mainstream media is just like sickening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, they're obviously trying to make a villain out of it for no reason. Like it's unregulated, like drug dealers are going to use it. It's pretty ridiculous. What they call I mean, cash is like the number one, uh, not that I want to get rid of cash. Like I'm, I like cash much better than the electronic Q-sips. That... Yeah. For at least a while, it's probably going to operate in conjunction with cash. And it was going to be a point where like your Apple wallet is literally, it's got Bitcoin, USD, you know, all these different yeah. stable coin USDC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I'm wondering is like if, uh, the existing, like, card systems and banking systems just partner with cryptos and just like try to you know rebrand completely and just ride the wave bro i saw a tweet today i want to say that visa was like web3 is the future cryptocurrencies are like i think they made an announcement or something saying how like blockchain is the future and uh i mean all these companies like the opportunity cost to not embrace these things is just too big it's like the internet 2.0 like different but like like why not be the first to do that like i feel like you would just like win over a bunch of customers from other services your competitors but what i imagine would happen is just like everybody kind of i i imagine they're all like talking like right now to you know blockchains and bro jp morgan like gold all of them were hiring blockchain engineers blockchain analysts like trying to figure out uh yeah and you think like bonds are all not all but like the vast majority are yielding negative nominal returns meaning with inflation at 6.8 percent you have to beat 6.8% if you want to have a positive nominal return. So, yeah, it's like, it's not a foregone conclusion. A lot of stuff can happen, but it just seems like when you take the time to learn about Bitcoin and really dig deep into it, very few people are like, yeah, this probably isn't it. Like, I would prefer a central bank digital currency where the government can create mm-hmm. money whenever it deems necessary, take money whenever it deems necessary see everyone's bank account no yeah and it, like that kind of goes back to how like i think maybe like society isn't quite ready to like take full ownership of their own like like life savings or like 
you know, I don't know if somebody would try to, you know, operate with their entire life savings in, uh, you know, one wallet, but, um, that's a really good point. I never thought about it that way. Like people, like a lot of people have pensions or 401ks. Like I, and I never really thought about it like that way. Like as kind of like for a lot of people, that is kind of their reserve. They, They don't even worry about it. Like, and a lot of those things are of course invested in bonds. So they're essentially holding the bag. So that's why I don't think the Fed is evil per se, because they could either let they could not print money. It, it, the the temptation is too great to print money. I I don't mean to cut you up, but it's just like, it, it's crazy. Yeah, it's such a good point. Like people aren't ready to have you know you really got to understand Bitcoin and be confident. Like I don't even keep all my life savings. I have a, most of my savings allocated to Bitcoin, but I don't keep all of it because it's like who knows hackers or what like unless you're very very careful have a hardware you know take all these steps to make sure your bitcoin is secure like it goes back yeah to the adoption it's not not quite easy to use right now yeah and these companies like visa you're talking about those are like eighty, like the vast majority of people are just they just want it to work right so there's going to be the visas the coinbases the binances the gemini's that just help people custody it and they use it that way and you know hands off and then there's going to be like the ones who really understands it who self custody who don't use the same wallet twice or the same wallet address twice you know who take those extra um precautions but it is going to be interesting to see how it becomes adopted but we need these institutions like if, if we want to see like just a crazy high number and bitcoin become a global reserve currency inevitably we're going to need a lot of intermediaries there's going to be regulation whether or not we want it. Yeah. Um, we're still waiting on, like, all this shit to be built out still, I feel like. Yeah. Like, which means, like, we're still, like, still super early, I feel like, in that the whole system isn't even, it's still, like, you know, trying to be built out. It's more than just, you know, sending money to one other person and, um, you know, that, yeah, there's there's a million different use cases that are being built out right now, I feel, that are just going to take years to, like, get used to and figure out which ones are the best and which ones kind of win this race. Yeah, and, and, and like, I'm just, like, obviously no one knows what's going to happen, but, like, it would be so cool to see a world where, like, you could go to, like, a Uniswap-like exchange and I could trade in my car for someone's house and, like, the value and then also, like, some Bitcoin on top of that to equal out or whatever. You just see a world where it's like the possibilities are endless mm-hmm. almost in a sense with blockchain. And it would be so great to give uh, open source and give as much honesty and insight and input from the general population into it. And the, that's why coding. So, you know, it's, it's going to be crazy how important coding is for future generations and, if they're not going to teach us about finance, the least they could do in the U.S. and everywhere in the world. That's pretty much the solution to that, like, job economy being, like, deflationary. Yeah, yeah. like, shifting to the, like, decentralized system is going to require a lot more people knowing how to code and, like, you know, process their own transactions and, you know, own, like, entire ownership of, like, everything from transacting money to, like, consuming music and, um... Hailing, hailing rights and like doing other like you know kind of corporate uh supply chain functions and logistics are also like being targeted by blockchain companies yeah there's a great book called the inevitable by kevin kelly and he talks about how like he can see a world where 
people literally have like a note in their apartment and they don't own anything and they just like tell the note what they want. So in the morning it's like, note, I need a suit today. Pops up a suit. They throw it back in the note at the end of the day. I need a meal. Like, you know, the note, it's like a fucking Amazon. Or got me, God knows who. Probably Amazon if we ever get to this point. And the thing just like pops up whatever you need. And people really don't. It's like Black Mirror type shit where, you know, you just like your whole freaking house is just digital signage it's just like a screen everything yeah, i was thinking like blade runner that assistant like that type of shit <laughs> like nah that that would be sweet yeah i wanna what was that book called i wanna check that out the inevitable it's like the inevitable t- 12 things technology will change or uh, botching the t- it's called the inevitable by kevin kelly and then there's like 12 technological forces or something gotcha. that'll change the world yeah. really good book though he's uh Good author. Yeah. That's sweet. So I like to end the podcast by allowing you to ask me a question about anything. Be super deep, personal, or something as simple as like, what's your favorite ice cream? And uh, I'll let you think about it for a second. But my question for you would be, what is the, you know, because Christmas season, obviously, you know, Christmas Saturday. I think it's the Saturday, right? Yeah, it is. What is the best gift to receive? And what is the best thing to gift? Mm. Let's see. Um, best thing to receive, dude, I would say a trip. Like we were just kind of alluding right back to what we were talking about. I think I would have arrived at that answer without us even talking about it earlier. Like, I really think like giving somebody a trip is like, uh, like what else is there that's better? Like a flight to like fucking like Spain or some shit. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Nah, yeah. And the best thing to... Give somebody. Uh, well, that was. A, I think that would be the best thing to give. The best thing to give me. Best thing that I could receive would be um, some algorithm. Some <laughs> a large quantity of algorithm would be great. Yeah, I would say uh, a nice sports car. Yeah, I'm driving a fucking beater out there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I ever, if, if crypto, if Bitcoin ever hits, say 10 million, I'll buy you a Hellcat. <laughs> appreciate Mark it, if it ever does. I've okay. had my eye on that Hellcat for a while, for sure. <laughs> Bro, the reports of people wrecking them off the lot because they just didn't yeah. realize how much horsepower it has <laughs> I'm not, I can't even talk shit though because I probably would have done the same if I <laughs> given the opportunity yeah no 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 I would spend like some private session on the track um shoot but a question for you I would I would say like you know moving into 2022 what kind of uh, professional moves are you trying to make maybe not even you know dropping any specifics if you don't want to but like you know what are you trying to achieve next year that's a great question and i'd say honestly just orange pill as many friends family members co-workers as i possibly can extend like this podcast and i was a film and media major honestly because like i had to decide and i was like well what do i like doing i like watching netflix boom film and media major but but like i think nowadays anyone can use media publish on YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, there's Instagram, there's so many platforms that you can like spread your message. And if you build a big enough following, monetize yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just advocate for as much open-mindedness and uh, self-sovereignty and learn about Bitcoin. Um, Like I said, I think it'll be a multi-chain world, but I think Bitcoin is truly like 
the thing that leads us to that path when Bitcoin becomes a global reserve currency. And then you can use all these other chains for various things like NFTs are the big thing right now. But I mean, who knows what it's going to be? Um, yeah. But yeah, I just say orange pill as many people as possible. Get them to learn about Bitcoin. That's one thing I've been trying to like be better about telling people to first learn about Bitcoin, then buy Bitcoin rather than going buy Bitcoin, then learn about it because it's a volatile asset. And it, it kind of sucks like uh, over things here. And I was like telling all my family to buy and, they, and a lot of people, not a huge amount, but like some people bought it. And uh, obviously, and I'm telling, you know, like just buy, buy more, buy more and hold. That's my, but at the same time, like I think telling people to learn about it is the way to go because once they do, it's so much easier to stomach a drawdown. It's almost like, oh, great. Now I get more stats for cheap, you know? Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you just invest in it and you haven't taken the time to learn and you see it drop 10%, it's like, and then, then you panic. So it's like the worst thing you can do. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We've had to do it. We've all had to do it at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, but we learned, you know, yeah. hodl, hodl from here on out. Oh, yeah, absolutely, bro. Well, Elliot. We're doing man. Yeah, facts. <laughs> Pleasure. Appreciate you coming on the Ben Of course, for having me. Anytime. Yeah, let's go back. Absolutely.